welcome back to the podcast. Today on the podcast, again, we have myself, Michael Adams, and John Rahimi. We are doing a little thing different today. If you remember our last podcast, we were in person together. Well, surprise, it's the exact same day, and we're recording our second one, and we're still in person together. But we're recording it outside in a little gazebo while we uh, sip on some bourbon and enjoy a nice little stogie cigar. Mm-hmm. The ambiance is quite nice. I wonder what it sounds like. Did we think about that? We didn't. With an echo in here? But I imagine it sounds... It probably perfect. sounds amazing. Um, yeah, we... Uh, we recorded the first podcast, and then we went and got Taco Bell for dinner. Nacho Party Pack, to be specific. I don't want to hate on Taco Bell. Fair. Because I love them. Fair enough. And you know that I love them. But they did forget six tacos in our order. They didn't just... It's not that they forgot one taco. They forgot every taco that we ordered. All the tacos. They gave us a bag of napkins, which I thought was the tacos. In my mind, when I hand this, I was like, that's a little light. But then again, I haven't had Taco Bell in a couple months. Me too. I was like, that kind of seems like a small bag, but I guess, I mean, why would they give us another bag on top of the nacho party bag? Yeah, in my optimism, I told Michael, hey, it's probably inside the nacho box. <laughs> He's like, there's no way. It's full of nachos. And he was right. I wish I was wrong. I know. I was. We, we plowed through the nachos and thought we could easily eat three tacos each right now. So we settled for whiskey and cigars instead of actual dinner. Yeah, and we were drinking Maker's Mark whiskey, which I've never had. And cigars, which are soaked in Maker's Mark or something like that. It was something, yeah. They had the same little uh, wax seal on the top of them. I feel very cool because the wax seal is awesome. (laughs) It was one of the cooler things I think we've done in our life. Yeah. Which shows you how cool we are in actual (laughs) real life. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we apologize in advance for the sounds that will be coming out of this (laughs) podcast, but... Some coughs, coughs, the occasional spit, spitting, okay. drinking, slurping. <laughs> I mean, just all of the things, you know. It's just it's, uh, one of, it's one of those nights. But for everyone else here, you might have already picked up on the craze that is Olivia Rodrigo prior to today. <laughs> just move right into that. But for John Rahimi, this wasn't his first experience. Shout out to Tina and David for she's gonna hate you for introducing. <laughs> him into Olivia Rodrigo, but I gave him another little second dose of Olivia Rodrigo tonight on the drive home. It was, from. it was better the second time, you know, it was just like, it had time to steep. Must have been the company. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, folks, she's so good. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't get over it. It's like, she knows how to speak into the experience of a breakup with just incredible accuracy and rawness and I mean, it's freaking mind-blowing what did you say her vocabulary is just like on her, her vocabulary seems as if it's I mean it's no disrespect towards her but she's been a child actress her entire life I wouldn't imagine that there would be much focus on school I know if I was in her situation I wouldn't focus on school I wasn't even a child actor and I didn't focus on school right <laughs> so for her to have the vocabulary that she has is extremely impressive. I mean, there's times where she'll say a word and I'm like, how did she slip that into a song? Like, there's song, there's words specifically that she's used that I've never heard in an actual song used where it's just, like, beautiful yeah. that she's able to do that. And it's just extremely clever. Her wordplay, very impressive. Mm. As you know, we were just, we were rocking out to Deja Vu as we drove in. And that one, I have to say, is one of the most creative 
songs and one of the most creative word plays I've heard in a very long time. Yeah. It's it's an experience. Let me just say this as a man. <laughs> it is an experience to listen to her songs because and Michael and I can I both test this as men who have broken up with a girl before in a long-term relationship, you know, that was, you know, uh, I don't know what a relationship was like, but I doubt it was as serious as ours. Maybe that's probably harsh. I shouldn't say that, but yeah, I don't know if it was, but I will say, yeah, being in a long-term relationship and going through quote unquote, I think both difficult breakups would be probably the delicate way of putting it, but, but yeah. breakups are always difficult. But I think when it's long-term, there's always extra emotions totally. yeah. involved in it. Um, Mine's been years removed now, and yours is well been years removed now, but hearing songs like this and hearing the emotions that she's feeling and going through, as a man, you see similarities of things that I have heard said to me in breakups. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have also heard similar things, but it's beautiful because you can jam out to them, but at the end of the day, like at times like you sit there, oh man. Like we said this earlier, like I'm just sorry. sorry man. Like, I'm sorry I made you feel like that. It's just like you could you didn't even grasp the emotional like toll that it took on the person really probably yeah. at that time. Yeah, and it's it's not even just like a thing of you can chalk it up being like oh just that person was really like clingy or too attached or whatever. It's just like the the real like raw experience of the thoughts that just break into your your mind and your heart and sort of like rip you. You know. Um, and like being able to wrestle with those and she just does such a good job of like naming them but then as a man, man you're sitting there you think to yourself like <laughs> to quote John Mulaney you have the thought that only Steve Urkel can have did I do that <laughs> and you're just like oh boy you know like shoot I didn't, I didn't know like that's like what the effect would be but yeah. I don't know I just I appreciate being able to hear that though because it just kind of gives you like a uh, something to meditate on like people's suffering and like what that looks like and just you know how complex relationships are you know no it definitely does I think just in general <laughs> makes you double think and rethink some of the stuff that's happened in the past and like some of your own past judgments that I've passed on people I've had judgment passed on me in relationships of how I've handled emotion um, or like I've passed judgment on others of being like hey you need to like get over that or like hey wasn't that big of a deal so you hear that it's like oh you don't actually understand the true emotional yeah. escape that somebody's actually living in right now yeah um I was pondering he's just so taken by her writing her songs oh I will say oh. the last thing I have on Olivia Rodrigo it puts into perspective and makes me just so thankful I said this to John earlier that none of my ex-girlfriends have ever been musically gifted. <laughs> this is no slight on them, but man, would it kill me having an album out there like this written about me. Gosh, I know. It's just, that would, that would suck. Big time. But it, it, yeah, I think, just like, even looking at some of those song titles and hearing some of those things that were said, like, a lot of those thoughts are like, I gotta say, they're lies, because they are. Like, the not en- like one of the songs is like not enough for you, I think, right? That was when we were listening when we got in. That's just not true, you know? Like, ladies, you're just way more than enough for like any man, you know? Like, 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand if those thoughts come up and you have them and, you know, uh, but just don't, don't linger on them because it's not true. Like, I know it hurts, but... It's important to know, too, like, not alone. Guys are also having those thoughts. True. And feelings of inadequacy. Um, but again, it's usually just a lie. That's not to discredit that there have been ugly breakups and things done poorly, but... True. Uh, the thing I always tell everyone, all of my friends who go through breakups, no matter what your breakup is, no matter how long you've been together, no matter who it's with, breakups are ugly. And Olivia Rodrigo, case in point. Freaking rock star. Freaking rock star. We can't wait for your next album. Yeah, we are pumped. We will uh, throw your uh, album release party on the podcast. On the podcast. So just, you know, let us know. Yep. Um, us also, if you give us, like, free tickets. Actually, that'd probably be bad. I don't want to go with that concert. <laughs> it would be uh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Those two... Grown men <laughs> in the back sipping bourbon and smoking a cigar. Kind of weird vibe. Kind of weird. Anyways, uh, so today Michael joined me at the mission. He came and he helped out. We served the Franciscan Sisters of the Eucharist. Or sorry, the Franciscans of the Eucharist. They'd be, it's a point because there's one brother, so you can't say sisters. <laughs> so yeah, we were we were there and we painted a room together, which as Michael explained to me, is the only thing he's ever done in any service project he's been a part of. Well, I did other things, <laughs> but in every service project I've done, there has been some aspect of painting mm. for like an extended amount of time. Like when I was in Peru, we painted rooms <laughs> every single day I was there. We did things on top of it, but at the core, yeah. there was a lot, a lot of painting. painting. And yeah. I got really, used to, I still have the shirt that I wore in Peru every day for painting because I think it's funny and it has a bunch of like handprints on it and it's like, all that I did throughout the entire time. Uh-huh. But um, generally, I, I know my way around a paintbrush now purely because of mission work. I would agree with that because you were spotless. There was like not a fleck of paint on you. I was covered in paint. To be fair, I wore my cowboy boots and I was pretty, pretty aggressive with the idea. I was like, I am not going to get a speck of paint on my boots. I got one speck on there and I cleaned it off. Oh, did you? Oh, that's your, that's your cleaning? That way, yeah, it wasn't the carpet. Oh, that was the carpet. I was like, oh, he's being so nice clean the carpet. Uh, I didn't care about the carpet. <laughs> it took my boots. <laughs> Gosh. Shocking stuff. But yeah, so it was really good. And we spent three hours in a small room. Well, that's not that small. It's pretty big. But we're building a retreat center on the third floor of the school. So these rooms have like, I don't know what you want to call them, but like they're Maybe like almost like pods. Yeah, pods is a good way of putting. Like, you know? there's like five pods. Yeah, but like they're nice pods. It's like you got a bed, a dresser, uh, a desk, and a nightstand. So it's it's pretty good for what you get. Um, but we were painting all these rooms up with white grapefruit was the color. Would not have guessed there was no grape or, or grapefruit yeah. in it. Bishop so, thought it was called Navajo white, which I don't know how he got that, but. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Michael was telling me that there's an experience of service um, that sometimes gets glossed over, I think you'd say. Yeah. Um, I was meditating on this during it. I was kind of just, while you were painting, I was praying a little bit and kind of just kind of asking God, like, you know. Why am I here? Yeah. No, literally, I was like, I was like, what, is, like what am I doing here and what is like the serve like what is the service actually going towards and, like, mm-hmm. trying to think of like the root and like the why behind the action and like you know like why have you been there all summer like what have yeah. you been doing yeah. um, 
And I think we get in this idea in our minds sometimes, especially laity, especially young. <laughs> the laity. Especially young lay people, I think. Like 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, it stretches throughout all years, but I think a lot of young people become out where we're so excited, we're on fire, we want to serve the people, we want to be with people, we want to be hand-in-hand, hand. we, we, yeah. we, we want to be face-to-face with people. Yeah. And that can quickly change the way that we view mission and we can kind of, any mission that doesn't include face-to-face service can kind of lose its purpose and yeah. lose, like, its magnitude. Yeah. And so, like, you could go into the mission today where all we did was paint for three hours straight in a room. We didn't see a single person outside of another mission person. And it's like, you could get up there and be like, you know, this isn't doing anything. This isn't, yeah. this isn't saving any souls. This isn't feeding any poor. This isn't doing anything. It's like, you could quickly turn it on something, you know, this is pointless. Yeah. But again, that's the danger because we have this tendency just to say, if it's not with people face to face, there's no, you know, there's no value in it. But as I was saying, it's so humiliating and like bring brought about a really humble reflection of like, what is this service? Like, who am I serving? That was kind of what I had to think. Cause like, first of all, I'm serving the sisters. Mm-hmm. It's where they don't have to focus their labors and their efforts towards painting a room when they could actually be doing a far better job than I yeah. actually serving the people. Yeah. Cause they know that, cause they know that they have a relationship with them already. Exactly. You know? What am I going to do as a stranger coming in for an afternoon? Yeah. Nothing in comparison to that. But two, even so I was, I was praying, I was like, I was praying for the people that would actually be in those rooms. It was like, yeah, my, the fruit of my labor is not known now. Exactly. It just isn't. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with saying that. But 10 years from now, the fruit of that labor, or even just a year from now, when they host the first retreat in that house, yeah, somebody's going to be in that room, and they're going to feel at home. You're going to see Michael's name written on the wall in red. <laughs> there might be one. <laughs> but again, somebody's going to say, go in there and be like, oh, this is nicer than I expected. I can be at home. I can be at peace here. Yeah. I don't feel on guard. I can mm-hmm. actually lay my head down and, and rest. rest. Yeah. And that was really yeah. humiliating because like, I don't actually have to be like... It's like our last podcast. It's not about me. The service is not about me. Yeah. There's nothing rooted back to me. Anyone who ever enters into that room will never know that I was there. Yeah. Ever. And that's okay. And there's something really beautiful and humbling about that. I'm just saying, like, again, serving the church and serving our Lord is not a achievement-based like road. It's not about, like, how many medals can you earn and how many certificates can you gain how many degrees can you get it's like no it's just about being with god and serving god and however he sees fit yeah and today he saw fit that i was in a room painting i mean yeah he saw that and i I was just had had spiritual direction the other week and i was bringing the direction and my director told me he's like it's the eucharist this is what we do at mass we present the gifts to the Lord. It's like, here we are. Here's this meager offering, right? Bread and wine. Very simple. It's like painting. I'm just painting a room. You know, very tedious kind of task. And the Lord takes our, gener- our, our generosity, which we don't really read as generosity sometimes, but he takes our gift and then he says, you know, thank you and blesses us in return with it and the fruits come out of it and that's the Eucharist that we get to receive then. Mm-hmm. Will we receive it in this life? The fruits of our labor today? Probably not. But, like, there's a great homily by uh, St. John Henry Newman about fame and glory. 
in the Christian life. And his whole point is that, like, I think it's on the Feast of St. Simon and Jude. Like, these are apostles. But, like, no one cares about St. Simon and Jude. Like, <laughs> we care about Simon Peter and, like, Judas, but not Simon and Jude. They're, like, lesser-known apostles. But they're in heaven. Like, they have all the glory now. Like, they are, their names are written in heaven, you know? Like, Revelation says, like, their name, like, they're written in the stones of the New Jerusalem. So, like, they did it, you know? And that glory is never going away, right? Like, it'll last forever. But, like, our glory, if we were to, like, be known on earth for, like, the great painting that we did today, like, that'd be, don't, we'd be forgotten about in, you know, whatever, 15 seconds. So, it's, yeah, glory in this world is kind of useless, you know? That was be my question, is we might be forgotten in those 15 seconds. Why are we so deeply bothered by that idea? I mean, probably wants to like go back to the last podcast and say like because we want people, we want ourselves to be held up as you know gods. We want to be seen as important. We want people to recognize us, um, and because that's that's the way of the, the evil one, right? Like the temptations in the desert for Christ is that like that's one of the temptations is you'll be known. You will have fame and glory in this world, and you'll be known in all the nations. But that's if you bow down to me and you turn away from God, who you've been made to serve. You know, uh, we go away from our purpose. So there's a great help there for us to like notice the Lord. Where is Christ in that? It's like I don't need that. You know, I have the Father, and I will not serve you. You know. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's not it's not helpful. So I think like meditating on that and staying with the fact that it is humiliating and there is no recognition in it, and that like we're not directly seeing the fruits of our labor, is a really good thing. Um, as we we don't like, I think, as millennials, uh, is that like the training part, the part where it's like not really glamorous. We're not just already at the end goal we want to have achieved. We don't like that part. But like the painting is the, the preparation for those people. It's the work that has to get put in before that can happen. And we don't want to put the work in first. We just want the, the end result. Yeah. I think sometimes, too, we also just... We undervalue the work that we do put in. Like, we undervalue... The process. The process. Yeah. Like, we're so focused on the end. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's the thing. When you're doing mission work that's face-to-face with people, yeah. like a food pantry, you're actually handing people food. The process and the end are one and the same. Ooh, what do you mean? So, when you're serving someone like face-to-face, like you're out face-to-face serving someone, the process is me with you. And I see the end immediately. Yeah. And so it's like, it's immediate gratification. If I want to serve, if I want to serve you, you know, at a food pantry, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm giving out meals, let's say, right? I give you your meal on the line. Yeah. You say thank you. You know, maybe I ask you to say a quick prayer. It's an immediate gratification. You go on your day. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I got to serve God's people. I get immediate gratification of my labor today yeah. went on to serve this specific person. I can remember their face. I can remember mm-hmm. their name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in a case where you might not have that, yeah, you'll never know the face of the name that your labor actually served. And so yeah. it's a much more delayed gratification where you might not be as so immediately pleased. Yeah. 
but even right, even there, like we're 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 thinking about it in terms of like uh, I'm being pleased. It's about my gratification in this process versus like God's pleased, and that's all that really matters. Like He's pleased that his you know poor son or poor daughter is being helped because he is eternally present to all these things and he knows that this is bearing fruit, you know, um, in the way that he wants to, which is again, like it might not be the way that we want it to bear fruit, you know, like that person laying down their head at night to like get rest in that room. Um, that might not be the big moment of like their conversion or like this big moment encounter with God. It could be something super small and really like seemingly insignificant, but that could be the one step on the road to, you know, their conversion. Just one moment in that process towards coming to God towards their conversion, you know? And that's like, yeah, we just, we hate the process. We hate walking with people. Like I recognize that myself all the time as I'm at the mission. Like I hate walking with people. It's so frustrating because I don't get to see like the immediate change. I don't get to see the impact that I'm having on this person. Why are they not converting? Why are they not changing the way they're thinking? Why are they not like suddenly on fire? You know, they're just the same person each morning when I wake up and see them, you know, and they probably think the same about me. Like I haven't changed a whole lot or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I went in to mission thinking like I chose the assignment because I wanted to work with the poor so that I could go to the poor and see them and like recognize, okay, they're not giving me anything really. Like I can't go to them and be like, I'm going to get something out of them, you know, yeah. they're not going to like gratify me and that'd be really good for me. But then I didn't work with the poor. <laughs> so then it comes like, well, how the heck do the, how do I grow? You know? Yeah. And for me, it's been, you know, doing things like you were saying, like when I'm packing bags for the food pantry, I'm just putting the same six items in a bunch of plastic grocery bags for hours. And that's really like boring. But then it comes like, okay, like I can pray for the people who will get these bags and I'm feeding the poor. Even if I'm not giving the food directly to them, I'm feeding the poor. I'm doing that corporate work of mercy. Praise God. Uh, the other thing is then like encountering the volunteers, the people who aren't in themselves materially poor necessarily, but they have their own poverty. Like they're human beings just like me and they're weak. So I have to encounter their poverty, which is really frustrating because I have to walk with them each and every day and think to myself, how do I love them? How do I continue to be with them and not scorn them and think like, you're not changing. Why are you not better? You know? Yeah. And we're so quick to hop on the bandwagon of material mission totally but we can be so hesitant to actually serve the spiritually poor in our life both they can be turned into a neglection of ourselves when we are spiritually poor Mm -hmm. but like the people right in front of us who are spiritually poor it's like oh i'd love to go serve the man sitting on the corner who's homeless and bring him a meal Mm -hmm. but me going to that you know that friend that i see at work who really just bugs the crap out of me in serving him in a way that's spiritually uplifting and spiritual fruitful for him no I don't want to do that because that would be taxing on me mm. that would be taxing on my day it put me in a bad place maybe Yeah. but it's like I'm so quick to go serve a materialistic poor but I'm so hesitant to go actually serve someone who's spiritually poor when in reality I mean yes material poor is important we need to be doing that corporal act of mercy the spiritual poverty is something that's almost far, far greater in needing attention. 
and t- a lot of times in these situations, the material poor and the spiritual poor and poverty, those those do overlap. They do, so, right? That, we, that's not to just say like don't do. Yeah, all poor people are like, spiritual like masters. It's like no, they're not. <laughs> no, not. But it is an idea of saying like sometimes we don't look to actually serve those who are maybe material, like material based, like well off or yeah. great. Like there's no real hesitation there. We think oh they don't need my attention or my mission work because they look like they're doing pretty fine. Yeah. But again, you peel back those layers, you look into them in the spiritual lens, it's like, okay, materially, they're doing great. Spiritually, though, they're impoverished. They need served. They need someone to serve them. Yeah. Yet, we are either, one, afraid to enter into that, or two, hesitant and impatient to walk along that journey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it goes both ways, too. Like, I've noticed... I think we've had the conversations with the sisters that like, what are we doing? You know, like we're feeding people, but like, when is this like turn from just being handouts to like, we're like helping them like get out of this or like, you know, um, helping them like to the, come to the Lord. You know, I don't know. You just kind of sit there and you're like, we do this week after week and we just, you know, give them food. But like, that's the expectation thing. We kind of think like, this is what it's going to look like to serve the materially poor. We're going to bring them out of poverty and they're going to like become millionaires, you know, some feel good story. It's like, no, probably not actually. It's just going to be like these people lost their jobs during the pandemic or they just never had a job and it got worse because of the pandemic. They needed food. They were starving, like legitimately starving. So all they're doing is just providing them with a basic human need, which is food. And then we sometimes come in and think like, Oh, we're not even doing enough. It's like, no, we're doing like one of the most basic and fundamental things we can possibly do, which is feed the poor and feed people, you know? Even like think of how God interacts with us in our lives. If we say like God serving us and in, in his mission towards us, like it'd be easy to say like, you know, why isn't it just like a snap of the finger mm. or serve? And like, it's that inspirational story of nothing to everything. Yeah. It's like, again, we don't see that in God. Like, even in God, like, it's these small moments of just over and over. I mean, you hear those stories, like, you go to confession, it's like, this is my 10th confession in a row saying the exact five things. And it's like, why am I not just lifted out of this? And it's like, God is just trying to serve you, provide for you. You keep coming back. And eventually, as you keep coming back, you see something that you recognize as good. And something you see that you recognize as worth fighting for, worth living for. Which is, again, I think a lot of the stuff that you might see in this mission is, like, you see these people coming back week after week after week, and honestly, most of them probably won't think anything of it by the end of it. And they're probably grateful, but it might not lead to millions of conversions. There's going to be a couple who, in turn from your mission work, see the face of Christ. Yeah. And relate to his mission in that way and see the identity of God, which again, turns into two different ways of one, the way that we're serving them, ensuring that, you know, we're serving them in such a way that could help lead them in that direction. But also just when we're encountering anyone, the importance and like the power that it means that people could encounter Christ in us and encounter God in us. It's like we define mission work as serving someone, but I mean, having a conversation with someone could be just as powerful in the right setting, in the right situation, but we might lean away from that rather than lean into it. Yeah. I think, right, there's, 
there's something important to take away from it that like it's small these small moments you know and I like that you said it's it's God God's way of acting with us is small and slow like he's gentle I think it's in one of Peter's letters but like he's like um, God's patience is like aimed towards salvation like he doesn't go fast because he wants us to be with him and if he went fast it wouldn't go well for us because we probably would miss it or like we would just kind of like we'd fall off the wagon or whatever you know he's patient with us to be like no I want you to really like come to this and really choose it it's, again freedom we talked about this like today you know like God loves us so much that he wants us to be free and like only then can it be love so in his goodness and justice he allows it to go slowly so that we can really make a good uh, free like holistic choice um, and so to these people it's like we we have to be slow with them just as God is, is slow with us and I think that's for me that's something to take away from this is that you know my, my big thing coming out of retreat was John 15 12 love one another as I have loved you and as I've seen the Lord love me in my life slowly, patiently, <laughs> like really compassionately, that's how I'm called to love other people. But I don't. But that's like, that's the invitation here. It's love these people slowly and like in the little small things and hopefully like they'll, they'll see the love that you're trying to give them, you know? Mm-hmm. And they'll pick up on it. And even if it's like a small moment, like that's, maybe that's enough, you know? Not for, maybe not for them, but for me, like we're having a relationship here. It's kind of this mm-hmm. dynamic thing. brief pause as we fix our cigars literally I think too there's something in like being around um, an environment like that where you're not directly serving the poor face to face um, but when you do come face to face them like I get to see them like once a week pretty much at the pantry mm-hmm. they're like I have like this op- I don't know it makes the encounter me a little something more um but it really is a struggle to like see the face of christ because you always think like that's the poor man before me christ is the poor man on the cross he takes on like the identity of the poor man so yeah you have to like really stop like it's a real like you have to really break through a lot of like the the muck and the dirt in front of you to like see the lord's face yeah you know and that's hard. I just like, I just think of all these times I you know, go to people's cars or encounter them in the pantry and see like trying to talk to them and ask them their name and all this stuff. But to actually see this is Jesus Christ before me asking for food, like Matthew 25, right? Like when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. Like that's these moments, but I don't see them as that because it doesn't look as glorious and as glamorous as I want it to. Like they're not even like, I'm not thinking about the Lord. They're not thinking about the Lord. They're just like, I want food. I want to get out of here because it's hot. And I'm like, I want to be done because I don't know how to speak Spanish to you. And I'm trying to get this conversation over with as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, it's just... Yeah. It comes into, again, like coming in with expectations. Just like with anything, like we come in with expectations. And if it doesn't meet our expectations, it's not good. Which comes into both the way that we are serving others. I mean, again, we came, you came into your summer with expectations. Um, I will I will admit I didn't really come in with many expectations today because I had no idea what to expect when I came to Steve and actually serve in the mission. Um, but I didn't expect to paint. And even oh, though... you were going to paint. <laughs> it, you did. Well, this is the day before. Oh, right. Okay. But I, beforehand, I didn't. Oh, right. I yeah, didn't yeah, expect. Um, and there's something beautiful of not knowing 
but it's different when you don't know and then it doesn't maybe live up to your expectations of like oh I thought it was going to be this yeah or I thought it would be like this and again it, again it's just something very humiliating is being able to say like God sees fit that I'm serving him in this way in mm. this very little way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like God is not requiring me in this moment to do this heroic famous act like God right now is okay with me sitting in an upper room, painting a room all by myself with John or Amy today. And so there's something just so beautiful and personal about that kind of love. And it it really reminds me of like a very fatherly love. Um, Again, my dad is in construction, so I've been on many construction sites with him in my life. So that might be kind of why I'm able to relate to this. But like there are times growing up where my dad has said, okay, Michael, like go on that roof and like, you're going to be scratching nails off the top of the roof for the day by yourself. Yeah. What seems like a meaningless job to me, not really that glamorous or that cool. Or Michael, you're going to pick up shingles today. Again, not that fun of a job. I'll be the first one to admit it. But being able to say, like, that's what he wants me to do. And it's enough. And it has a purpose. And it serves a purpose in the grand mission. Mm-hmm. It's like something like this, so little isolated by yourself seems insignificant to us but God is just sitting there saying like that is enough you are enough gosh yeah I wish Olivia Rodrigo could have heard those words ooh baby look at the giant ooh full <laughs> circle that was nice we got more time no we're not done yet also that thing just spiked <laughs> um yeah wow that was I can't remember what you said it was profound, but like, yeah, that experience, I think, I, I'm just in this moment, I think I told you this, but like, I, did I talk about this on the podcast one of those days? I pulled my groin, I did, we talked about this whole yes, thing. Did. Yes, you did. So I pulled my groin, right? And, <laughs> and I couldn't do anything for three days. I had to like, let it rest. And I remember like, I was putting some plates on the lunch table, setting the table, and the bishop walks in, he's like, hey, how's your, how's your leg? I was like, you know, bishop, it's, it's fine, it's getting better, but like, I'm just, it really sucks that I can't do anything, you know, like, we're lifting drywall, there's like, things to be moved, I just have to sit around and do nothing, you know, and he just goes, mm-hmm, well, we all have to die, we all have to die to ourselves sometimes, and then he walks away, and it just like, hit me like a truck, because it was like, and I took that to prayer, because exactly what you said, I had to sit there and like, really, like, let the Lord say to me, I love you even in this, even in the fact that you can't do anything right now. You're not doing what you think you're supposed to be doing, what you're here for even, according to your, my own vision. But like, he's like, I love you. And even if you were to get this back, this, you know, your leg and all this stuff, and even if you had the then extra gifts that you want to evangelize or to be more like outgoing or whatever, I still love you even without those. And it was just so like affirming to be like, yeah, you really just, like, love me as I am in this, like, weak state. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, so hard to accept because you just don't want to, you know? Mm-hmm. Because as she says, I don't know you. It's like, I, am I enough? You know? Like, I need more, right? Like, that's, yeah. the, that's the constant thought. And in that song, even, I, I mean, the opening lyrics are talking about things that she did. I love that you know this. <laughs> I know. I, I hate this. I'm losing all of my street cred right now. But I'm going to keep going in because it's important. Um, she's talked about all these things that she did to be loved more. 
all the things that she thought she needed to do to be loved. Wait, really? Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh, this song is so good. <laughs> and literally, how frequently do we do that in our relationship with God? Yeah. Of like, even that this is going to be at people and at myself. Get ready, folks. <laughs> how often do we enter into acts of mercy, corporal acts of mercy, mission work, because we think that'll make us more. Yeah, that's right. That's How often right. do we do it? Because it's like, I'm not yeah. enough. Yeah. But if I do this, maybe I will be. Yeah. Maybe I'll receive that love that I think I, I don't have. People will be impressed with me. Like, oh, wow, they're like, he's, he's really good. Exactly. You know? And I just imagine God's up there laughing. Like, are you? He's like us at the beginning of the podcast. Like, no. Like, this is a lie. Yeah, like, right. Please hear me. Like, this is a lie. No. You are more than enough as you are. Yeah. And that's, that's not an invitation for complacency and saying, no, I don't need to do this because it is beautiful to do that. And my more, I guess, thing I'm trying to get to is like doing it out of love. Exactly. Oh, did you get, yeah. Exactly. Putting it into exactly. love. The yeah. equation of love. And even in those moments, again, fake it till you make it. If it doesn't seem as like, <laughs> this, that's straight advice from Mick Best. If it doesn't feel like you expect it to feel. Like you don't feel that deep, warm, tingling love in the traditional sense that you might feel it. That's okay. Yes. But like in those moments, reminding yourself, I am not doing this to serve me. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this to earn yeah. anything. Even if it might feel like that, like reiterating it to yourself yeah. and training your mind yes. to know like I am actually doing this because I love God. Yes. Because I love the people that I'm serving. Because I know that even if I can't see the fruit of my labor, there are fruit. And the fruit is there, whether I know it or not. Drop the mic. That's it. That's it. I mean, there's nothing more to say. Like, that was, you just, like, closed it out. So that was it. Yeah, do it because of love. Wow. Thank you, Olivia Rodrigo, for today's podcast. Yes. Hashtag, hashtag ad. And thank hashtag you to sponsor. Maker's Mark for your whiskey and your cigars. Because they were delicious. They were delicious. Now we're going to finish them. And you guys have a great, great rest of your night or whatever it is. Cheers, y'all. Talk to y'all soon.